Well, I'm going to go ahead and start you guys. I'm going to, I feel like we're supposed to continue our dialogue from yesterday. So if you weren't on yesterday, I guess you can start today. But um, the purpose of this, I think this dialogue is, can we walk in the power that Jesus says is ours if we have mixture in our belief system? Okay. That's the only question I have, because I don't have the real answer. I know what the Bible says, and I know where most of us live, and I know that before Jesus returns, we'll be just like him. Those are the three things that I know. I know what the Bible says. I know where most of us live, and I know that when Jesus returns, he's coming back for a bride that's just like him. And so with those three realities we wrestle right we have wrestling to do and so i'll read these verses again that i read yesterday matthew 10 1. is my music too loud melissa no you're just fine you sound great okay matthew 10 1 Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. So do you think that's still our mandate or do you think that was just for 2000 years ago? Okay, just think about that. And then look at verse seven. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven has come near. Well, let's just think about that for a minute. That little phrase means it's right here. It's right here, right? If you see me, it's right here for the taking. That's how close it is. The kingdom of heaven is right here. And since it's right there, then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, Freely you've received, freely give. And he's referring to the kingdom. Once you receive the kingdom, all those things are what we have to give. Okay? And then verse 25, it is enough for the disciple that he may become like his teacher and the slave like his master. And so what he's saying there is, that's the true meaning of our discipleship with Jesus. He wants us to become just like him. Right? Do you guys agree with that? Do you think the goal of Jesus is for us to become just like him? Okay. If they called the head of the house, Beelzebub, how much more would they insult the members of his household? So there's, there's Jesus's, like, he's giving us heads up. If you really become like me, you'll be hated just like they hated me. That's what he's saying. Now, you don't have to become like him and you can be accepted. But if you become like him, you'll be hated. And therein lies, I think, a lot of the problem between why we know what the Bible says we're supposed to be doing and the reason why we're not doing it because there is an underlying maybe fear of man. Like if we really step out, 
and start going for healing and deliverance and breakthrough and miracles as a normal lifestyle, what is that going to make people think about us, right? What What's that going to do to our lives? There's a cost involved, right? And so I, I, want, I want to go back here, guys. Jesus gave disciples power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all sickness and all disease. Do we believe that that's what Christians are still supposed to be doing? Or do we think now it's changed because now we can just send them and they can get a pill or go to a clinic or they can go homeopathic and get some herbs and minerals or they can do anything because there's a thousand options now. Or do we actually believe God still expects us to do what he told them to do? I just want us to think about that just for a minute. Has God's commission changed? Has it changed? Somehow from then to now, we gather in buildings, sing a few songs, preach the sermon and ask people to say a prayer. And we don't do what he said. And I'm just trying to get us to think. I'm just, I just want us to think, and then we'll have a, we'll have a discussion here in a minute. Um, so let's go to Matthew 28, Matthew 28. Verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this verse just backs up what he said to him in Matthew 10. I give you my power, my authority. Now it's all authority because I've conquered death, hell, and the grave. Now there's nothing left for me to overcome. I've, I've overcome it all. Therefore, you can go <clears throat> and, make, and make more replicas of me. <laughs> because it is enough for a student to become like his teacher, like a slave to become like his master. The true meaning of discipleship is he wants us to become like him, right? And so he wants us to go and teach everybody that we baptized the things that he taught us to do, referring to the original 12, right? Are we agreeing so far? And he promised he'd be with us to the end. And I feel like there's a little bit of a a condition on this Great Commission verse that the authority is maybe tied to are we really trying to replicate what he taught the original 12? I think the authority is given to us by God if we're willing to raise up a company of people to do what Jesus raised up the original 12 to do. 
I don't want. I don't think he wants it diluted over time. I think he wants it to stay the same over time because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Would we agree with that, you guys? Come on. Would we agree with that? I tell you guys, 90% of all churches in America, if you told them this, they would think you've lost your mind. How many of you agree with that? 90% of churches in America, if, if you went in on the pulpit on a Sunday morning and told them the things I just now told you the last 10 minutes, they'd say, what are you talking about? Am I right? Yep. Okay. So here, here lies our dilemma. We wonder where the authority and the power is. It's because none of us are doing what he told the original 12 to do. And, I, and I'm not saying that flippantly. There are some doing it. I'm saying the majority of the church in America is not doing it. You get it? You guys get it? Come on, I'm looking at a bunch of pastors here. I'm looking at a bunch of pastors that keep coming back week after week after week because they know this is the truth. What keeps us, you guys, what keeps us from doing this? It's Is it the fear of man? Is it the fear of failure? Is it the fear of a job? Is it the fear of security? Is it the fear of acceptance? Is it the fear of being cast out? Is it the fear of being, what, there's a lot of fears, am I right? Is there a lot of fears? Come on, shake your head if there's a lot of fears. I don't know, you guys, I'm getting ready to, um, Rich Henry asked me this morning if I was ordained yet. And I said, not yet, but if the Lord wants me to be, well, not the Lord. If the Church of the Nazarene wants to ordain me, it'll happen this June. So I don't know if that means I'll have the same fears that most pastors have. Because if that's what that means, then it's the wrong step. I can't have fear to do what Jesus told us to do. Are you guys with me? We can't have fear to do what Jesus told us to do. Mark 3. Mark 3. Verse 13, and he went up on the mountain and he summoned those whom he himself wanted. And they came to him and he appointed 12 so they could be with him that he could send them out to preach and have authority to cast out the demons. Okay. What, what if we... What if we went into every pulpit in America and said, that's what we're supposed to do as a lifestyle, go out and proclaim the kingdom and get rid of people's demons. What would 90% of people say to you? You've lost your mind. Am I right, you guys? Am I right? I mean, 90% at least of all Christianity in our culture would say, what are you talking about? cast out demons and yet that's what Jesus said you're supposed to do that's why I want you to be with me so you know how to use my power and know what I think and know what I want I want you to come and spend time with me and I can put my authority on you you can go out and get rid of demons and people can receive the message of my kingdom man Mark 11 <clears throat> which is a 
which is the culmination of what I taught last week on how to get your prayers answered, you know, instead of talking to God about your problems, talk to your problem about your God, right? That was the theme of last week. Um, and so Mark 11, 22 says, and Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. And so every prayer that gets answered has to start with faith in God. It can't start with faith in you. It can't start. It can't start with faith in your personal holiness, or your personal commitment, or your personal devotion. Come on, you guys! It can't. You can't have faith. Well, I fasted this many days, or I memorized this many scriptures, or I prayed this many hours, because that's not anything. That's nothing. It has to be faith in God. Do we agree with that? <clears throat> okay, so the, the, the first key to getting your prayers answered is start with believing in God, right? And then verse 23, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, will be granted to him. So the second thing you got to do to get your prayers answered is start talking to the mountain or your problems instead of talking to God. And the third thing that has to happen is you have to believe what you're saying is powerful. If you don't believe in your words, your mountain won't believe in your words, right? Now let's go to Mark 16. And I'll start with verse 14. Later he appeared to the 11 disciples themselves as they were reclining at the table and he reprimanded them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen from the dead. Okay, he didn't believe those women who saw him, right? And those guys on the road to Emmaus, he didn't believe them. Okay, and then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And the one who has believed and has been baptized will be saved and the one who is not believed will be condemned. And then these signs will accompany those who believe. So this is an amazing passage of scripture, you guys. Jesus is giving a promise that supernatural signs will back up people who preach his message. And he's given that promise to people he's saying were unbelievers with hard hearts. <laughs> what do you? Only God would do that. Like we would make people go through 25 classes and pass a bunch of tests and do a bunch of analysis before we give them anything. And Jesus will find a group of people that are kind of fearful and say, you guys don't believe you have hard hearts, but here's what I want to do. If you'll go out and preach my message, I'll back you up with supernatural signs. What in the world? What could God do with people that believed and had soft hearts? Whoa. And then the signs are, they'll cast out demons. Isn't that amazing? That before anything good can happen for a person, we got to get rid of the demons. What if we said that from every pulpit? How far have we fallen? Like, are we like the church in... Ephesus, repent from the height from which you've fallen. Return to your first love. Do the things you did at first. I mean, are we just like that church, you guys? 
I think there was a time in the holiness movement that we knew demons were real, that we knew we had power, that we knew we had authority. What has happened? What in the world is going on? When are we going to walk back in normal Christianity again? They'll, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents. They'll drink any deadly poison. And it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Luke 9. Luke 9. Now he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all the demons and the power to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. So do we think that's still our commission? Melissa, Dave, David, Daniel, Dave, David, is everybody a David? Vicki, Byron, Stephen, Donnie, Kevin, Rich, PJ, Adam. Do we think God still wants us to go out and get rid of demons with our authority and heal people and preach the message of the kingdom? Or do we think that God's happy with what we're doing? Do you think he's the same? Do you think his desire has changed? Or do we believe he's still waiting on his disciples to do what he said? How many of you feel provoked a little bit? Like, okay, I get it. I get it. I hear you. And, and James has a warning for people that hear but don't do, right? He. God doesn't want us just hearing. He wants us to do his word. That's what a disciple does, right? They're doers of the word. They perform the word. Hmm. Luke, Luke 10, verse 1. Now after this, the Lord sent out 72 others in pairs ahead of him in every city and in every place where he himself was going to go. Now that's kind of interesting. It took 72 to cover the ground where he wanted to go. <laughs> have you ever thought about that? He must've had a lot of energy. Um, and we know he's the prototype of the normal Christian, right? He wants us to be like him. And now he's got a billion people that call themselves Christians maybe. And he's just waiting on us to go where he can't wait to go. So he's probably still able to do what he did with the 72, with the billion. He's waiting on us. Come on, we always say we're waiting on the Lord. But he's really waiting on us. And what's he waiting on us to do? Look at verses um, 8 and 9. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what's served. Have some fellowship with them, right? Build a relationship. And then in verse 10, heal those who are sick. And then say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So what's he want us to do when he sends us out? 
be kind to people, have fellowship with people, break bread with people and heal them. And then once they're healed, tell them it's the kingdom of God that healed you. It's the presence of Jesus that healed you. It's amazing. And if they get healed, they probably want to know the king that healed them. Do we agree with that, you guys? And then John 14. John 14. Verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you. John 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you. The one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these. He will do. Because I'm going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name. This I will do so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, you will keep my commands. And then the next verse, he says, I'm going to pray that the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. So the only way we can do is with the Holy Spirit. Okay. And so you guys listen to me. In these verses, Jesus says, if you're a believer in me, which means it's anybody on this Zoom call, right? We're not, a, we're not a part of the original 12. We're not a part of those 72. We're any believer, right? All of us are believers. That's why we're on the Zoom. He says, all we got to do is believe in him. We'll do, we'll do what he does and more. And if we love him, that's what we'll do. We'll keep those commandments. If we love him, that's what we'll do. If you love me, you'll do it. If you love me, that's what you'll do. All of us love him. Right? We all love him. So he says, if that's the case, the evidence is you'll keep my commands. Now, we know these aren't the only commands, you guys. This isn't the only commands. He says to love your neighbor, love yourself, love God. Uh live holy I mean there's there's 1100 things Jesus said in the New Testament I'm not going to quote all 1100 okay we think we think the Old Testament's big was 613 there's over 1100 things Jesus said in the New Testament if you want to get particular I'm not doing that I am trying to give emphasis to what Jesus told everybody to do when they represent him that's what I'm trying to do. He didn't say, when you go out to represent me, dump a bunch of rules on people. He said, get rid of their demons and heal them. That's what he told them. Get rid of the demons and heal them. Then they'll receive my message. I think that's enough verses. I want to discuss today, guys, a topic that we started on yesterday. 
And I didn't tell the people that are new today from yesterday, a lot of you are the same, like half of you are repeats, but half of you are new. So I got to say it again, this, this message or this thing that I'm talking about has actually been on my heart for over 13 years. I actually started developing these thoughts back in the glory barn when I used to have my farm before God even called me to full-time ministry because I was reading his word. And I was seeing things in his word that I wasn't living and I didn't see anybody else living, okay? And so this message has been brewing for 13 and a half years. But recently, I've been trying to find a biblical out for options because things that I've been believing for personally seem to be delayed and delayed and delayed. And so I'm just trying to find a way to have spiritual sanity <laughs> by finding a biblical out to use options, okay? So that's what's brought this to a head. Because if I have to wrestle, that means everybody's wrestling. And somebody's gotta speak out what we're wrestling, okay? So about a year and a half ago, the Lord told me that he didn't want me to seek medical care for my hip problem. And I didn't even understand why he would say that because I'm raised in a culture where medical care is a part of God's blessing. We have good doctors. We have good nurses. We have good medical care. We have good health insurance. We have whatever. I, I wasn't raised where anybody was expected to heal anybody. I was raised where people get saved and sanctified and go to church and pay your tithe and go to doctors. That's just the way I was raised. I wasn't raised with anybody telling me any of the verses that I just read to you. Okay, that's my context. And so <clears throat> when the Lord says to me, I don't want you to go to a doctor. I want you to trust me. I said, okay. So that started like this 18 month journey I'm on. Well, about a week ago, I called my friend Rob McCorkle and I said, Rob, I need you to do a little investigating for me because I got to eliminate loopholes if I'm going to stand in faith. That's really what I use the Bible for. I use the Bible to help eliminate any excuses that undermine my belief system. Because all things are possible to the one who believes. And the only thing that will get rid of unbelief is truth, and the whole Bible happens to be truth, and we all believe that, okay? So I said, Rob, I need you to look up the words in the New Testament that are the word therapeo. And let me explain that. In the New Testament, there are four different words for healing. Three of the words, you don't have to look up because it's obvious they're referring to Jesus heals. But one of the words is therapeo, and it's where we get the English word therapy, okay? And so I was thinking maybe in one of those verses, it might be referring to some natural means with the help of God. I was thinking that, okay? Are you guys, are you guys tracking with me? Because <clears throat> I actually, there's actually 44 verses in the New Testament where the word therapeo is used. Okay, there's 44 verses. <clears throat> and 
So I said, Rob, look him up. And so it took him a day and a half because he loves to do this. When I put him on little assignments, he loves that because it develops sermons for him, okay? And so he looked all the words up and he called me back and he says, well, I have good news and bad news. I said, give it all to me. He says, there's not one instance where the word therapeo refers to natural or medical means. Not one instance. It always refers to us cooperating and administering the grace of God's power to people based on the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. God wants to work with us so that we can give his presence to people and they can receive healing. That's what it always refers to. There's one occasion where it starts with its meaning of spend time in awe and wonder and worship so that you receive what God's given you in the moment and then go release that to the people you're healing. It never says, if my presence doesn't work, go to the doctor. Not one time. So, I'm confronted with the reality, maybe the reason why the American church is so powerless is because we have unlimited options that are none of them are biblically based. And we've just thought, well, it's okay. It must be God's blessing. But if it was God's blessing, why didn't it get, why wasn't it told to us in his word? Another thought before I open it up for discussion is this. If in the tribulation, all of us on this Zoom call can't go to a doctor unless we take a mark of the beast. And we can't buy food in a public setting unless we have a mark of the beast. If we're going to have to believe in the blood then, why wouldn't we want to start believing in it now? That's another thought that I have. Because I think the tribulation is closer than we think. I mean, I think it's... I think it's right here, you guys. I think it's right here. <clears throat> so I want to open it up for discussion. I'm not slamming doctors, you guys. I'm not slamming nurses. I actually have seven people in my family that are doctors or nurses, close relatives. They're all Christians. They all pray with their patients. So I'm not slamming the medical field. But my question to start our discussion is, is it possible for us as a body of Christ in American culture to walk in the power that says we'll do what all these verses I read says we'll do if we have mixture in our belief system? Is it even possible? And so I want to I want to, there's no dumb comments. I want everybody to feel free to talk. I'm trying to find a way that the blood is enough, that the word is enough, that I'm not supposed to be afraid of a pandemic. I'm supposed to be cleansing a pandemic. <laughs> I'm trying to get to normal biblical Christianity. That's my goal. I want to walk in the power of Christ. Come on, that's my whole goal in life. I want to know the power of Christ. And it seems like I know more about the fellowship of his suffering 
than the power of his resurrection. Come on, man. I'd like to even the scales. Like I am fully acquainted with the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know the power of his resurrection too. I've never thought about holiness being having no mixture in what I think is appropriate to receive help from. I've never even thought about it in those terms. I just assumed the way I was raised was holiness. And I don't want to just assume anything anymore because the body of Christ is not like their bridegroom yet. And so there has to be a great transformation in the next few years. And maybe this is the topic that's the biggest because in my town, there's as many hospitals as there are churches. Well, that doesn't seem to be right. And so I'm just, I'm just trying to get us to address this. Can we have supernatural power as our normal lifestyle without having supernatural belief? Let me, let me, let me share a story <clears throat> about one of the main wrestles that I have. I know a family whose leader is probably the most godly person I've ever met in my life. Okay. His spouse struggled with terrible pain for the last 20 years of her life before she died, losing kind of her mental capacity. One of his children's had terrible cancer and ter terrible sickness her entire life. Another one has had terrible stomach issues, multiple surgeries. Another one has had multiple surgeries, constantly sick. Another one is on multiple medications. And the leader of this family, I thought was one of the holiest people I've ever met. And I'm trying to figure out where's the breakdown? Because when did we classify holiness as anything besides Christ-likeness? When did we start identifying people? Well, that's an apostle of love. That's a holy person. Other than measuring it to what Jesus said should be normal Christian expression. And I can't even tell you who this family is because it's too close to talk about. I know that before Jesus comes back, he's going to have to have a bride that's actually believing what he said is our reality. And I want to be a part of that bride, you guys. I don't want to call it the cold. I want to call it a demon. Come on. I don't want to call it COVID. I want to call it a demon. I don't want to look for a shot. I want to look to the blood. I'm trying to tell you how practical this looks. I, I don't want, I don't want to look at a person like that little boy in Mark 9 and say, oh, he just needs to be locked up for a while and given some sedatives. He needs to be delivered and healed. And I don't want to give everything that Jesus says was what we have authority over a scientific name. I want us to get back to following the spirit. And if that makes us uncomfortable, maybe that'll make us have to rely on the comforter more. 
but we are in a battle. We're not in a walk into the sunset. We're in a battle. And the love of most people is going to grow cold. And I want my love to grow fiery hot. And so this is not easy for me to talk about. It's too close to home. But somewhere it has to stop and change, you guys. Somewhere we have to change. And if it's not us, when does it happen? And so I want to dig in, man. Like I want to dig in. I want to build a I want to build a fortress where no more, no more casualties. Not on our watch, right? Like we have the power of the resurrection. And so I just need brothers and sisters that are willing to die with me. Let's go, man. Let's do it. Let's walk like Jesus walked. I mean, that's my heart, you guys. I want to be like Jesus. Father, I want us to have faith that amazes you. I want this group of people to have faith that when you look at our hearts, you go, wow, these people believe. Because that's what pleases you. We want to be God pleasers. Our faith is what pleases you. Our faith is what amazes you. We don't want to give in to the pushback. We don't want to give in to the underlying undermining that's never going to stop. We want to press on to the high calling. All of us do. And so we wrestle. Do we trust you or do we use options? We wrestle. These are honest wrestlings. This, this isn't a question of heaven or hell unless the Spirit says don't do it and then you do it. Now you're in disobedience. But if your conscience is clear, follow your conscience. People's conscience can be clear in the medicine field, in the homeopathic field, in neither field. God's looking for clear consciences that produce sincere faith. Father, I just want my conscience to line up with what your word says. That's my heart. That's my desire. And I'm still wrestling. I still have questions. I still have questions, Father. But I want to end it. I want to end the questioning to where I just know that your word is enough. Your blood is enough. I got to get to the place where you're enough. So hear our hearts, hear our prayers, hear our cries. We really just want to be like you. We want to be like you, Jesus. So our motive is love. Our motive is agape. We want to serve people. We want to serve you. We want to lay down our lives. We want to make people know you. We want our lives to provoke people to want to know you. That's the bottom line. And you said the way that'll happen is if we get rid of their demons and heal their sicknesses. <laughs> That's what you said. That was your strategy, Jesus. That's your strategy. We didn't come up with it. And so here we go. Here we go. Another day, another opportunity. If the Spirit leads, if circumstances bring us in front of someone. 
in that five second window, do we take the risk or do we stay in our little cocoon? And so Lord, give us freedom, give us courage, give us boldness. I see my friend Brian on here. Lord, he just lives this all the time. Thank you for having patience with us. Thanks for leading us. Thanks for calling us deeper. Thanks for calling us deeper. We love you. Amen.